BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com and if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you'd like to read to me head on over to patreon at lorehammer listener lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show enjoy Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey everybody, I'm your host Mark and joining me we got a new guest for the first time, Keshin. Welcome. Hello, hello. Man, uh, it's interesting. We're doing like an online Zoom even though you're the closest person I know in real life. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're literally what, five minutes away, yeah. not even 10 yeah. from each other. And we're still doing a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Fucking confusing. At least no one's, you know what? At least no one's muted answering this call. So yeah, yeah. And we're both on video. So we both know like the other person's actually there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Word on the street is you moved all the way from Canada land to Panama specifically to do 40K with me on the beach. Um. So for my wife's sanity i cannot confirm nor deny that (laughs) that is the Um, correct answer you played this game before i get it (laughs) um but since this will be on a podcast yeah 100 100 (laughs) well i mean i've never really had too much exposure to 40k right yeah yeah like 40k is interesting like i feel like most people i ask that are kind of nerdy or geeky they've heard of 40k and they might know some emperor of god or emperor of mankind memes but that might be as far as the knowledge goes i mean i know there's some movies out there i've played dawn of war oh classic uh, great 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 game um i still have the cd discs somewhere in a storage (laughs) container um we need that (laughs) honestly honestly and um I mean, I went into uh, the Games Workshop in Calgary, Alberta as a kid and got to paint a few figurines, but it's a whole world. And I mean, (laughs) 
yeah, there's it's crazy because some... like not only like does GW have like you know over 500 novels and blah 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 like everyone yeah. else is writing their own story i've done hundreds of episodes of people's own story that they're adding to the universe and some of it fits really nicely and others are like whoa get that out of here i mean the progression has been interesting i mean um you know the fact that it's not a stagnated game and the story is con- like ever evolving is such a cool thing and then to have people that have the creativity to write their own story is even better yeah yeah and it's encouraged too that's kind of the one thing i've always loved about 40k where if you write a fanfic in the star wars universe that's that's it it is just a fanfic where like you write your lore in 40k it becomes widely accepted you know that's you know what it's really cool to see that an amateur or professional or anything but in between can be published and it can touch so many hands and eyes yeah and and be accepted as a, a story component and you don't really get that in a lot of other genres and that's a really amazing point i mean i've never considered what level of fan fiction actually gets out there yeah yeah like it it's very interesting and like there are some communities that are super guarded and nothing gets in but then others like allow everything and then it's like you get these crazy like kingdom hearts type universes you know (laughs) exactly exactly yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to this it i mean you picked an interesting race one of my favorites yeah, that's basically all I know about your 40k journey is you're like, okay, so I like Necron. I'm like, okay, I got that. I can provide a Necron story for you. So this story is written by Alistair, and it is called the Nebehet Nebehet Dynasty. Nebehet Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, lots of like uh, Necron words to like Egyptian. So I always try to think that. But, you know, what does that really do for my English brain? makes you wonder (laughs) i mean you know what it's um i've never thought of it really that way but it very much does fit that sort of theme yeah yeah what 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 is the uh underlining kind of story of the the necron uh they're like an ancient robotic race that um you know they before they became robots they were like decrepit and frail uh and in order to conquer the galaxy they sold their souls and then got tricked and trapped in metal bodies. And uh, oh. yeah, and then they fight a huge war and, uh, you know, they kind of semi lose it, kind of semi win it. And they go into hibernation for like 60 million years. So now they're just waking back up and trying to reconquer the galaxy. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so let's dive into this guy's lore. Part one is called The Awakening. At the start of The Great Awakening... The Mehebet dynasty began to awake to find their crown world infested with lesser life forms. In the time since their galactic reign, the world and its vast mineral reserves have been discovered, colonized, and transformed by the Mechanicum of Mars, who established a forge world on its surface. As the tomb world awoke, the Mechanicus were alerted to the Necron beneath their feet and eagerly started to investigate the Teutonic movements of the planet quickly bringing the two races to conflict. A long battle rage, but the established Mechanicus proved 
a fearsome foe for the Necron who lacked the sufficient war machines and fully awoken troops to push back the Mechanicus. It was only through the chance invasion of a Tyranid splinter fleet and high fleet Leviathan that gave the Mechanicus enough pause for the cryptics of the dynasty to rouse the great Karnship of the dynasty, Scythe of Retribution. This allowed the Necron to break free of the conflict, but not before loading all their war machines of the dynasty onto the ship and teleporting the still lumbering, still slumbering dynasty legions into the stasis crypts of the neighboring undiscovered, undiscovered core worlds. The world then cracked as the ship burst free from underneath the crust, causing magma to spill across the major continent of the planet incinerating millions in flames and pyroclastic flow. Having escaped their former crown world, the pharaoh Amunak Hotep vowed vengeance against the half-machine pretenders and pledged to return to his planet and reclaim it from the warring tyranids and mechanics. Cool. Very cool. That's very cool. A, uh, cool visual of the 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 ship bursting out of the planet's core. Honestly, I mean, it seems like when I close my eyes, like a post-apocalyptic, barren world of yeah. just death and destruction, and what was. You don't even get the joys of the skulls and the bones lying there showing that people were once there because everything's just melted away. <laughs> so it's exactly. Like that. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. And so quick question. Uh, Tyranid, is that some sort of insect? Yeah, essentially. They are like a intergalactic bug and one of the only things in 40K that actually goes in between galaxies. And yeah, they just okay. come to power and like, you can't, you can't reason with them. You can't do any of that kind of stuff. They're just here to devour. Oh, very interesting. And when you say the Mechanicum, can you tell me more about that? <laughs> yeah, what's it, I, what, yeah. What's that about? Okay. So like you've heard of the Imperium of Man. Yes. Okay. So. The Imperium Man's kind of broken into two main factions. Um, there's the Imperium of Man, and it's kind of led by like humans and the Emperor. But then there's also the Mechanicus. Um, and the way this kind of originally happened is Mars was originally like colonized way back when, and then they're isolated and separated. So Mars and the Mechanicum cut, or Mars and the Earth kind of grew separately and had their own kind of technological direction. So mm -hmm. You know, the Empire of Mars is called the Mechanicum, while the Empire of Earth is called the Imperium, essentially. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. This is like a whole new world. So <laughs> yeah, there's so much. I got a great podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> Lorehammer. Oh, go figure. Go figure. What a plug. All right. You want to read part two? Awesome. Yeah. So retreating from their previous territories in the Segmentum Tempestus, the dynasty fled into veiled regions to found a new land amongst the deadly radiation of the region. The radiation, deadly to the majority of organic life, causing little more than a sliding tarnish of their living metal bodies, 
made the gold of their uh, heraldry to turn a copper color. This beautiful little patina. Since arriving in the Veiled region, the dynasty spent many years scanning for suitable planets before coming across what seemed to be an abandoned tomb world basking in the light of a baleful sun. Exploring the tombs within revealed what seemed to be remnants of a great battle within the remains of countless necrons scattered in every corner, often desecrated in a gruesome manner, living metal twisted into strange organic spikes. Investigations showed the reanimation crypts damaged but not destroyed, explaining why no necrons had reanimated within. However, it was obvious and deliberate nature of the damage that concerned the Farian, as shards of rock had unnaturally lanced the main reactor of the machinery. Finally, in the darkest depth of the world, they found the source of the destruction, a cackling mad shard of tan. Blazing eyes darting in all directions, the preceding battles, battle lasted many weeks, and the Catan ripped the Necron forces to pieces. However, with the reanimation crypts safe on board the Cairn ship, the Catan were able to keep distracted with unending battle for long enough for the Cryptex to complete their rituals to trap the Catan within the Tesseract vault, once again binding the foul creature to their will. Later, investigation found that the many years had not been kind to the previous contaminant field of the Catan, which had eventually failed, whereupon the creature raged through the world, enacting vengeance upon its captors. Threat eliminated, the Farians spared a slight moment to mourn the fallen dynasty, uh, Nephibi, who previously occupied the planet before promptly claiming it for himself and declaring their territory as his own. Since then, the Canoptech constructs and warriors have set out to toil and rebuild the world into a new crown world to rival Mandragora itself. Cool. So it's like, you know, they had their planet, it kind of turned to shit, and now they went and kind of semi-conquered, more like claimed another Necron dynasty after it suffered. <laughs> I find it really interesting, you know, when you think of like Egypt, when you think of like Terminator-esque characters, you think you think indestructible. Like there's there's nothing that can stop this like legion of metal and doom. Yeah. Um and it, it's cool even like on here how like he described their living metals getting their living metal bodies being tarnished by the radiation. And like, even though they are like super regenerative, it still has some effects and stuff though. Yeah. Like these are not like, this is, this is a place that even, even here, the immortal are still yeah subject to the, to the laws of the land. Yeah. It's it's kind of like poetic too. Like this is a very deep 40k take. So, we'll explain some more Necron lore as we're going through this very poetic take. So, the the Necron were originally called the Necron Tur. That's when they were in their like fleshy bodies and uh okay. They lived on a planet that had a sun that was too close, too hot, whatever. The case is they were being blasted with radiation. 
sounds familiar to this. And basically this radiation like corrupted their whole, uh, you know, genetic code. So everyone's dying super quick. Even if they leave the planet, which they eventually do, their genetic code is still fucked. Yeah. Now, what makes this also very interesting is uh, the Satan were the original like uh, beings that they sold their soul to, to get the metal bodies that they were tricked by. Um, they're like these all powerful okay. like star gods. So it comes back like almost full circle. Like they're repeating their own history. It's like they're being affected by radiation again. They're getting fucked up by a Satan again. <laughs> they're they're doomed to repeat their their mistake over and over and over again, it seems like. Yeah. All right, let's carry on That's... part three. The return. The dynastic fleet, led by the Scythe of Retribution, now act as raiders roaming their previous territory to reclaim the scattered troops which were spared or spread to save them from pill pillage by the Mechanicus. In the process, they come into conflict with many different races that have settled on the worlds over the millennia. The coming of the Great Karn ship is always preceded with scout ships that broadcast the ritual funeral bells across the planet obviously announcing for the population to vacate or be eradicated. <laughs> cool. <laughs> to the civilization that it's to the civilizations that inhabit the planet, however, this merely sounds like endless ringing which reverberates through the skies for weeks before hundreds of thousands of metal bodies appear in flashes of green energy and proceed to eradicate all life on the planet. The fleet then teleports the slumbering troops beneath the surface uh, into the crypts on board the ships and strips the planet of valuable minerals and then disappears back into the veiled region. Imperial forces are currently unclear as the purpose and designation of these plundered minerals or destination. However, concerned as they may, should be, they have sent scouts into the dangerous space to find out. Most have not returned. However, the lone survivor gibbers of clouds of scarabs swarming the harsh sun, spinning webs of strange, strange materials all around into forming structures that soon will encase the entire celestial body. Whoa, I'm going to read that one again. Spin spinning webs of strange materials all around it to form structures that soon will encase the entire celestial body. So that's crazy all of a sudden. That's like a huge scale of like robots exactly can Yikes. you imagine a net <laughs> just a oh yeah and like it's like this like chittering bugs like they call them scarabs and they're literally like you know egypt yeah i can i can hear i can hear the sound in my head that that skittering across <laughs> across the stone floor and you're like <laughs> yeah no one not oh, Wow. Not ones to wait and see what their doom will be. Imperial forces have since requested aid from the local Adeptus Astartes fortress monasteries and Mechanicus nighthouses. And so an exploratory fleet is gathered. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co ready to plunge into those dark stars where they will be surely perish where they will surely perish for Pharaon Amun act 
Hotep, the resplendent, the iridescent, the brilliant, the lustrous, the Lord of the Emerald Stars welcomes all comers. <laughs> nice. There's uh, 60 million years worth of titles for you. <laughs> so they're literally indestructible. Yeah, like uh, even when you destroy their bodies, they're like digital soul will reanimate their bodies will like teleport back and start to reanimate and like rebuild itself and yeah they're very they're they're almost indestructible you know my goodness <laughs> oh that the that scarab that little <laughs> scarab sound just like makes my skin crawl um <laughs> little funny story to loop in here um, about things that skitter. Um, <laughs> so the last time we used the boat was Monday. Yeah. And I hadn't been down to, to start the boat since Monday. And it's now currently Friday. And what did I go in there and find? <laughs> um, <laughs> a, cr a crazy orb weaver, one of these big horned orb weaver spiders. Whoa. It was, it's like, uh, it's like a little crab, probably an inch or two wide, uh, not a big spider. And it was like white and red. Man, the wildlife down here is just fucked sometimes. We're on like, a there, were, it, there was like a little silk cocoon. Like, I mean, you, you, you have, you have some wildlife stories, but yeah. Yeah, when I think way, we don't like that... the chittering things in boats. We don't like. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And I could not imagine a whole world being enveloped by them. <laughs> Man. All right. So this last section here, uh, the Nebhet uh, dynasty is led by Ferion Amunkaphotep a brilliant strategist and ruthless leader, however, boiling with endless fury that his, that his lands were stolen from him. Possessing a bottomless desire to accrue wealth and riches, he drives his dynasty forward with this in mind. Um, adorning his faces with, glide, uh, with gilding of his favor. Well, let me read that again. Adorning his forces with gilding of his favorite metal, gold he shows all who come across him his power the ferion is not above using any tactic to achieve his goal dirty little bugger um however is limited in his resources as he was for as his forces were spread um thin when he was forced to flee his crown world nevertheless with each successful raid his forces grow and his strategies can employ more diverse armies. You're going to have to tell me about some of the diverse armies that exist that they're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, but the dynastic forces feature silver necrodermis with bronze, uh, bronzed armor plating, which is the influence of the radiation of the stars that now occupy tarnishing their gold. As a result, only higher ranking members of the dynasty show an actual gold color as they must reapply more of the precious metal every few years. Cool. Um, I kind of like this like obsession with the acquisition of wealth. Like, you know, when this guy 
was a fleshy form. Clearly, he must have been wealthy and, you know, flaunting his gold. And then when he got transferred into the metal body, only like the strongest personality traits remain. And this is one of them. He's just this greedy fucking bastard. Honestly. And I mean, you look at how they, how he writes and it creates so many parallels that can be drawn in so many different ways to so many different stories that are told over and over again, where your, your high ranking leaders are in these gold plated, super (laughs) shiny suits and the guys on the ground (laughs) exactly exactly yeah it's it's a very vivid story yeah i liked it um i feel like we got a good kind of flavor of who they were uh where they're kind of from and also what's importantly they have a goal to actually go out into the galaxy and interact Mm -hmm. uh very cool story uh if i could add anything to it i'm not sure if i really would necessarily nothing's like nothing stood out to me as like man i wish you went more into detail in that specific area or like i think it's pretty clean pretty tight little read i mean i'm always down for like a really violent descriptive war scene <laughs> and like the the diverse this diverse armies comment um, at least for me as like a as someone who knows nothing that gets me really intrigued yeah like i wonder maybe he has like some xenos that like you know he conquers the planet and then makes the xenos fight for him and he doesn't really care if they live they die they're just like this fucking army that he uses you know well if I remember correctly, those Necrons have those like um, floating obelisks or like pyramids that, that I, I mean, I don't know exactly what they do, but they, I know they're there with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes they'll shoot lightning, warp energy, I don't know. <laughs> Man, what, did, like, what, what kind of forces make up the Necron, like the Necron armada yeah so the necron like forces are broken into like kind of four different categories as we mentioned they have the category of of, like canoptic creatures and these are like the skittering bugs or like they're basically not necron but they're robotic and they're usually Mm -hmm. shaped as some type of egyptian creature so like think centipedes or scorpions or beetles those kind of vibes just mechanical uh another part that they have that you would be familiar with is like just the untold legion so this is your basic terminator looking warrior they're completely kind of soulless and you know they don't have much going on and they got legions of them yes yes then they kind of have some stuff that is kind of like quirky, where it's like programming error. One of these programming errors is called uh, the destroyer vi- virus. And basically, these Necron that get affected with it, all they want to do now is destroy. So they will actually then modify their Necron body into something that it's not and become like maybe they have the the body of a spider, but their top half is like wielding a bunch of cannons and stuff. So they modify their form into like a crazy type of thing. That's cool. 
another type of one of these kind of like quirky kind of programming errors are called the flares. And their thing is they just want to go around and like flay flesh and eat flesh. And it's just like they lack flesh themselves. So they're just consumed with this like kind of carnal meat house kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. And then the Very. final uh, and probably the most interesting, and this is where you can really tell stories with her, is like the royal court where it's like you have, you know, your pharaoh and like his cryptic who is kind of like a sage or a scholar or a mystic would be the better word for it, you know? Um, sure. He'll have his like bodyguard who have some personality and, you know, his cousins will be the lord of the planet next door over and all that kind of stuff. You get this kind of political part of the faction. Okay. Very structured. Very, very structured. Yeah. And like... Even those specialist things, like the flares, the guys who like to eat meat, they're not mm -hmm. really a part of the Necron. Like, they will show up randomly with the Necron and do a bunch of damage, but then after the battle, the Necron will hunt them down. Like, they're they're not a standard thing, you know? They don't like that deviancy. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. You know, maybe they're just a bunch of Necron supremacists, for all I know. Like, just keep the Necron pure. I don't know. This is so rad. Yeah, 40k is the deepest lore, man. It really does. I feel like someone should go build this ship. Like, yeah. like I like... I think one of my favorite things about 40k is, like, the vehicles that people build in 40k. Okay, cool. Like every faction has one. And I remember again being a little kid at the um games workshop in uh Schnook Mall there and going and looking inside those glass display cases. <laughs> yeah. And seeing like the larger assemblies that they had going on for like the orcs and the space marines and the necrons and the um, I feel I want to say there's like another race that I I can't remember was big at the time, but um, yeah, those it, big centerpiece uh, models, man, that are just like they're they're usually so quirky, almost too, like where it's almost like if you looked at just their silhouette, you'd be like, what the hell is that? You know, um, exactly. Yeah, it's such a distinct shape, usually, what they do. And it's, yeah, it's sweet. And then the talented folk who paint them. <laughs> yeah, geez. Uh, yeah. No, this ship, the uh, Scythe of Ret Retribution, um, would be a really, really cool thing to have come into reality. Yeah. Um I'm sure nowadays you could print, get like a little 3D printed one, put it on like a keychain or something. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, man. 100%. Um, well, that's kind of all my thoughts on the lore. I like it. I like the vibe. Uh, I like that you can see some things on the tabletop. Like, you know, you look at the models and you're like, why are they kind of rusty and increasingly more better? You know, there's some things that kind of lead the questions towards your story. I like once again that there was a direction of this story where it's like, I, I know why they're going out and doing what they're doing. They're not just creating war for the sake of creating war or like there's some motivations behind it. 
Um, yeah, all in all, I, I think it was a pretty good listener lore. What he said. <laughs> yeah, that's the official critique of Keshin. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I really like the vivid story. Um, you know, just piggy, piggybacking off with what Panamark said, which is the colors and, and the gradation of shininess. Yeah. Um, you know, points to what you're, what you're saying. And you kind of have taken what appears to be, uh, a story that is well known amongst the 40k community which is the Necron story and you've made that history kind of like seep through every sort of layer of what you were what you were sharing yeah. and it was very there was a lot of connected connectedness and like you were saying this like this is where these these people come from this is the struggle and the the damage that they show up to battle with every day and it's it was just really <laughs> rad for trauma. someone not yeah this <laughs> is their trauma on echo tap who hurt you <laughs> but um no it's uh it's super interesting super fun read and for someone that doesn't know much about 40k i feel like if you can paint me a picture that's a really really good sign yeah, no, exactly. There was like twice, maybe three times where we had to stop reading and be like, whoa, that was fucking cool. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. and you, you've like something about fan fiction and the people that are that really get into it is the vocabulary is extensive. Yeah, man. I've like, had some people on here that are like true authors that are like, they send me, you know, a 50 page document of words that I've never even seen before. And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> honestly. And I, you know what? I, I really had to focus when I read, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but it made for such a flavorful experience. Yeah. The the only thing that's left to ask is are you more or less 40k curious now? I would say I'm more 40k curious. That's all I need. And the reason <laughs> the reason why is I really want to paint some figurines. I feel like it would be a really great hobby. <laughs> and I could do something and I could splash together just like mix and match a kit a little bit or get some little yeah. pieces here and there and just fool around a bit but I get, I get to tell my own story yeah yeah like the building definitely drew me in but like the storytelling is what keeps me here otherwise i'll just be playing with lego you know if it's just <laughs> building <laughs> that that's the that's the gradation that right there it goes directly from lego all the way to 40k so buckle up kids <laughs> buckle up kiddos here we go uh well awesome if you guys have your lore that you would like to submit don't forget you can send it in at lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com and if you are still listening don't forget toss me a dollar on patreon at lorehammer listener lore 
it's only one dollar, then I can feed my chickens. It's not a big deal. They need to eat. Fuck, I might even feed catch two with that one dollar. There you go. I cool. like spam. Cheap. I like spam. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me, and we'll see you all on the next uh, episode of Lore Hammer Listener Lore. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.